they expect a certain sound or they expect us to just be like, dee, dee, dee. we're just here to be here. But then we pull out bullet first thing and then Cammy shreds their faces off with the solo. <laughs> and it's just like, hi, we're here. And we didn't come to mess around. This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I'm talking with Emily and Cameron about their recently released album, The Heartbreak Album. Emily and Cameron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. The hard question is, what is what is going to be my first question? <laughs> um, some of these songs people know. They've heard you perform these live. What was the first concept or when did you see the album theme coming together of of Heartbreak? I remember Cameron and I were having a conversation about how the music industry right now is very like singles based and very EPs based. So we were talking about what direction we wanted to go in with this project. And I was thinking if I'm ever to release an album, I want it to have like a central theme. I think that would be really cool instead of it just being like, the songs I got, let's throw them in an album, which is fine and dandy, but that's just not the direction we wanted to go in. I was looking at my Google Drive folder of songs I'd written, and I was like, oh, these like fit together. So originally it was going to be an EP. I think we had like six songs. There was a song that I wrote when I was 12, which is now the track one and two on the album <laughs> that I was like, oh, it'd be funny if we like put that on there. And then I wrote Brooklyn Lady, which is the track I guess, nine and 10 on the album. And so I guess we put the bread on the sandwich and then made it happen. And then you you closed it out with Messy and Tokyo. Yeah, so those are actually re-records of uh, those songs because when Messy and Tokyo were first recorded, it was just like Cammy and I having fun and just recording something. But yeah, we were like, what if we did these in the style that we do them as a three-piece now instead of just as a couple of buddies and our producer messing around. How do you reconcile having that, the pop sound, but also a very sad, Mm -hmm. um, sad sound. And, and honestly, I think one of the, the things that is saddest of all is when, when somebody pretends like something is very happy when really they're just completely miserable. So I, I I think in some, maybe, maybe that's intentional because uh, some of these songs have that, edge to them and so i i i'm sure there's a question in there somewhere but i'm just so i mean how do you how do you work that out where it's like mm-hmm. i want that sound of of the the poppy energetic mm-hmm. but also convey the the feelings the the sadness do you want to take the lead on this one sure well i think one thing is like 
pop music means so many things now. To me, when I was a kiddo, pop music was whatever was on the radio when I was in the car with my dad. Now I get in the car, I don't even listen to the radio. And, you know, pop just means popular. And I do think there is a sound that we really do associate with pop music, especially now, but I think that sound has gotten a little more wide. I think more things could definitely be qualified as pop music that maybe couldn't a couple of years ago. For one, I think that allows us to use the label pop. You know, people perceive a little bit more wiggle room in that. They We say, oh, we're, we we make alt pop music, which is usually what I tell people, like, oh, what kind of music do you play? I'm like, oh, alt, alternative pop. I think that that actually creates a pretty broad scope of what, you know, folks could expect from our sound. So... I do think that that leaves more room to convey emotions that might not be typically associated with with pop music. Like, you know, we're talking about like heartbreak and sadness. And I I find that we do play a lot, like you were talking about, with the idea of like the arrangement of the song sounds so happy. One thing we really like to do is like arrange things and like, for example, on our song Bullet, make it sound super like sort of happy and upbeat and like, "Mm, yeah, I'm so cool. I like told you so. Like, I'm... I'm just so cool in some moments, but then kind of completely flip to a 180 and be like, ah, crushing sorrow on the next <laughs> moment. Um, and that can be something really fun to to work with because I feel like that the melodic and sweet nature and the familiar nature that we associate with pop music still comes through, but we're able to to play with some of those feelings or some of the subversion of those feelings, like knowing that deep down the songwriter was probably really sad and it shows in moments, but also some moments really portraying that sort of sweet denial mm-hmm. <laughs> a sort of boppy uh-huh. denial. That's like, ah, you know what? I'm too good for this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think of the line, like now you can go dance in your mirror for somebody else. Cause all along I should have stopped and just danced for myself. I think that is a really good connection to the soundscape that we've created. These songs are from some of the hardest moments of my adolescence and being able to make them into something that I perform every weekend with my two best friends and like brings me the most dopamine of anything. It's fun. And I think that line really conveys (laughs) how that dichotomy (laughs) comes together. Some of the lines and like themes that flow through this album have this really nice overlap without being repetitive, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I do love the intro on this album. I almost imagine this kid with what used to be like one of the little tape recorders and Mm -hmm. just being like, I'm by myself. And so I'm just singing this little part. And then it it feels like that set up. It's it's like, this is you originally writing the song. And then the elements that come through, the acoustic comes in kind of fades in as if as if it's like oh it's finally joining like Mm -hmm. what was it it, you're changing it from a current thing into like a past thing but also as a progression forward which Mm -hmm. and then there's this very tricky part of like as that fades out those elements all drown in reverb kind of in that misty and i'm I don't, mm-hmm. I, i'm sure that's that's one of those engineering tricks so i'm curious was that was that really the original one of the original recordings and then was the guitar original or was that added later so that recording was literally from like the night i was writing that song i think it was like april 23rd 2013 I was like freshly 12 years old. My birthday is in March, sitting in my childhood bedroom on my twin size bed with my like Windows computer 
I record it's it, the original file is like a Windows like music or like media audio or something. So we had to convert it so we could get it into logic because it was just like so random file type. Yeah, that was like the so I could remember what the song sounded like because I wasn't playing ukulele at that point. I was just like singing songs and hoping I could remember them. So I recorded it on there to remember and then never thought I would listen to it again. But the guitar is Cameron playing. And I think it's a really cool metaphor. I think all the songs on this album, it was just me. We started to do more co-writing. But yeah, this album, I like wrote all the lyrics. And then Cameron really came in with a lot of the arrangement. I think that's just a really nice metaphor of how it starts with just the audio file of me. And then Cameron comes in with a super cool guitar part. And I don't think there's any percussion on there, but Abby comes in on like track two, which is like mm-hmm. the actual, the one till the end. Like so. it fleshed out. Yeah. yeah. I do love how it's this very unformed, but it comes into form in the first track. And then the second, you know, the second mm-hmm. track is it like r- fully realized, but like some of the things that that Cammy is doing uh, with with some of the palm mutes and things like that and there's there's okay I do have to figure out what is that I want to call it like the little plinky thing but it I, it's like a staccato uh it's like a staccato reverse is what it sounds like like you're playing something dick, 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 dick. I I can't remember oh, is but it the uh, like dun, 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 dun. in the the, the actual song the one till the end yes oh yeah that's um so yeah, that's <laughs> the little staccato reverse. I, I I think yeah, I do know what you're talking about. It was a Thank mix goodness. of Yeah. <laughs> it was a um me and my friend Connor for this album, we both produced it. You know, we say we co-produced it cuz mm-hmm. we both did an equal amount of different work, but he added a lot of really cool synth stuff to the mm-hmm. album to sort of add that extra mm. level. And um so what that actually was was um we were trying to stay very true to the live arrangements mm-hmm. of these songs. You know, we felt that that was the move. For the bridge, I really wanted to try something different and I had gotten a pedal board over the winter. I had started a pedal board for the first time for my electric and I wanted to do something totally different than just like flowy chords. I wanted to do something that hadn't been heard in the song before. So I kind of made this little part where I just do like a, a little octave of like C, C, C. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then little um, like triads and stuff. But I turn on a ton of delay and it sort of makes this really cool like and it really fills it out a lot. It just keeps it really fun and dancey. But Connor layered a synth part with this as well. So that added a lot of movement to it. So now you have the wideness of the delay, the sort of boppiness of the guitar and the synth. If you listen closely, it it's very subtle. He did some really cool panning with it. So it gives it this motion of going yeah. from one side of your ear to the other in a very subtle way. And that was one super cool thing about that song that I really liked that he added. Emily, what, what was your favorite song on this album? Definitely Brooklyn Lady, The Closer. Because Messi and Tokyo are like bonus tracks, I guess. Brooklyn Lady is definitely my favorite. The theme of that song is the most like complicated emotion-wise because it's not about a, a romantic relationship. It's about somebody that I've never met before, but who had a very big impact on me and like my growing up and learning about how to be an adult in relationships with other adults. Yeah, that one is definitely my favorite and my favorite to play live because people just really love it. And I just, I just stomp to it. (laughs) It's it's a good stomping sound song. Why Brooklyn? She lives in Brooklyn. Oh, okay. Okay. That's, I, 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 as you were describing, I was like, oh, that's probably what it is. And I just, I just missed it. Um, Yeah. Brooklyn's not a metaphor. It's just, she lives there. (laughs) 
how long was this this process of of recording all these songs for the album? How long did it take to to get um, that all put together? So our like gigging season ended, I think like November of 2021. We made the decision not to play shows indoors this past winter just because COVID numbers were just, they were bad and scary. And we definitely missed out on a lot of opportunities because of that, which like kind of sucks, but also I'm glad that we made that decision. So we started having basically like arrangement band practice twice a week where we would get together and play the songs and decide what our parts would be on the recording. And I'm also very thankful we did that because we've been playing these parts for almost a year. Like we've just been really, really solid and that makes our live performance really, really tight, which I've been loving. But yeah, so we did arrangements and then we did demos and then we sent those off to our producer, Connor, and then we wrapped up recording, I want to say early August, I think. Yeah. The bulk of it was done by like May. But just getting those last few things done and some things like couldn't really be wrapped up until things were mixed. It took like a little less than a year to do the whole thing. And we recorded most of the tracks just at my home studio, Mm -hmm. which was this is like for me, the project that I've done that it truly felt like Mm co-producing. It was a perfectly half and half split of production and post-production just audio processing between me and Connor and that was super fun Mm -hmm. but yeah we just weren't able to do the drums at my house was the only thing with the way that we knew we wanted it to sound because you know I don't like to just say I don't have enough microphones because as I'm sure I'm sure you know right you you understand you can record drums however you want it's just we knew with the sound that we wanted I was like no we're gonna want like this really wide genuine drum sound as if you're right in the room with the kit I know that I cannot get that exact thing and connor has tracked some drums for our projects in the past and for my projects in the past that have just been wonderful and i was like i know we need that sound pretty much everything but drums we just tracked it in my living room studio and that was really nice to have because we could just work through things at our own rate and still feel busy even though we weren't playing shows and it was nice because there were at least two days of recording where i just like was not feeling it all the way so we do like a few hours of trying to get good takes and it just wasn't working and i'd end up just like crying for a bit and then we'd be like let's try again later and it was nice because like it didn't feel like we were like wasting like studio time so i could just have a little cry and (laughs) we could have a little a talk Mm. and sometimes we could be like let's pivot and just hang out as friends and like watch a movie and like decompress this recording process it was really fun and yeah very comforting I think it being tracked so much at my home Mm -hmm. and a place that is a familiar place for Abby Mm -hmm. and Emily really shaped the sound that came through. I always like to say, you know, folks will ask, oh, you did you did a ton of the tracking on this. Like, how did you do that? Do you have a studio? I'm like, well, yeah, it's my home studio. It's my living room. And they're like, oh, does that like work? And I'm like, it works for me because Mm -hmm. I think that what ends up happening is you get this really authentic sound Mm -hmm. like you get this wonderful sound that it just there's this subconscious thing that conveys like i'm in a place where i'm comfortable like i am at home and i think that's what i really like to come through on my projects i get that it's not for everyone but for the projects i'm in i think it's super appropriate and especially for the what this album was about i thought it 
added a little something to it. It made it feel familiar and homey and like something that we just made together because it, it is something that we made together, but it has that extra touch of like <laughs> the living room studio. Mm-hmm. Well, I know that you mentioned earlier that you were trying to make sure that the sound was as close to the sound that it is. The, the songs sound like the songs sound when mm-hmm. you perform them. Probably one of the things that's so difficult with studio recordings is the energy or the enthusiasm tends to drop off, but the precision gets better, but Mm -hmm. there's less of that emotional thrust to Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And and I feel like this this album has that characteristic of of having that energy and at least I don't know, yeah, it does it feels it feels comfortable and it sounds good and Thank you. But I mean it, it, it has it maintains that energy without losing the whole group is really good at being precise anyway so even in your live performances you're very probably could put a metronome to you but (laughs) (laughs) i fear that (laughs) do not do that (laughs) no i know but i mean perhaps the better term would be that it's a really tight group like there's the sensitivity between each each one of you is very clear Mm -hmm. how did you decide on the arc of the album and like putting these songs in order that's always really fascinating to me like what what was the decision process of how you wanted to organize these songs mm-hmm. we had like a day where we just sat together and we were like these are the songs that are going to be on the album how do we want them to flow into each other i love when all the tracks flow into each other and some of these like we had like a blunt ending for like dramatic effect mm-hmm. but like one of my favorite albums ever is Reliant K's Forget and Not Slow Down, which I can't tell if it's good because it's good or if it's good to be because it's nostalgic. And that's the classic dilemma. But that album has a lot of awesome tracks that flow into each other. And so I drew a lot of inspiration from that. But yeah, we just sat down and figured it out. And I am like very much a music from whatever I feel like. (laughs) And Cameron has a lot more music theory knowledge and like knows how to organize it and put it into words, I guess in a more technical manner than I do. And so we'd be like trying to figure out how to make one song flow into the next. And Cammy would be like, oh my gosh, like this chord has a note that's shared with this other chord and it's the major seventh. And I'd be like, okay, (laughs) great. Do you want to talk more about that? I just sit there and be like, whoa, that's so cool, but have no idea what was being said. So one thing that I find really compelling about the way we decided to put these songs together is I do believe it is chronological, right? No. It's not chronological. It's like near chronological, I think. Yeah, it's almost chronological. Yeah. In the order that you wrote them? Yes. Okay. Let me check. I I would say it's semi-chronological. It does have that feeling of advancing forward in your own personal life and timeline. But one aspect of it that feels very similar to it being chronological to me is that as the songs progress, the maturity of the songwriting also progresses right alongside it. And the first handful of songs in the album are all more or less neatly tucked into the key of C, which makes sense for somebody who you know, is a native ukulele player and stuff. But then as it progresses along, you see, you know, Emily venture into the key of A. Brooklyn Lady is definitely an interesting one. Venture into some more experimental chord changes that, you know, sort of steer away from what you expect to hear, especially with with Brooklyn Lady. That's right in the key of B. You know, that's a whole new frontier. And 
I found that really compelling when trying to put the songs all together because it sort of subconsciously signals to the listener like that more maturity and more experimentation is happening, not just in the the content of, you know, the songs and in the lifeline of, of Emily as a person, but in the songwriting itself. And I found it so fun to put that together and <laughs> to find the relationships between these different keys and like decide what would sound good going into the next thing or at least convey something interesting going into the next thing like the bridge from bullet into the song relics is definitely an interesting one it ends right on a d major and then it actually goes into a and that is one of my favorite sort of chord changes that flows into each other on the album because that sort of d major over that just synth that comes in on a Oh, it's just, it just excites me. It's like the five, you don't expect it, but all of a sudden the five just comes in in the bass and you're like, what's this? Mm -hmm. And I know, you know, I, I just think that it it signals the listener like, oh, something different is happening now. We're going into a totally different vibe, which we are. The bullet into relics is quite the vibe change, but I think it's <laughs> it's able to be cushioned by that nice little bridge of like, oh, here comes the five, and then here comes some notes you maybe didn't expect. We are now, mm -hmm. we are now in the key of A. This is where we live now. And we're about to give you a very devastating song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now I think I understand a little bit better, you know, in terms of your thought process, like why on, on the tape version, you include the bullet into relics as uh, on, on the side A. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that it has that transition, and so you don't have to like flip the. But anyway, it's like, oh, okay. I think it was, and also the size. Yeah, <laughs> it was. A, it, yeah, it was a timing thing <laughs> with trying to make the sides side A longer than side B. But that is that is something. Sure, we did it on purpose. Mm -hmm. I will well, pretend like we did it on purpose. I mean, I was kind of struck by you mentioned from long ago to uh, current times as part of the pro progression, but I feel like some of these have their own, like kind of their own black and whites in, in, in a way, like they have their yin and yang mm -hmm. or, or like shared theme, but yet kind of from different perspectives. And, and I think uh, my interpretation of zero gravity is that it's this very tangible connection with a person or, or like meeting them and, and, mm -hmm. and spending specific time with them mm -hmm. And then I feel like the letter go is in also in that same sense, spending time with a person, but not like most of the time that you're spending is thinking about who that person is that you want them to be. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's that, I don't know. I, mm -hmm. I just, that was one of my weird little observations yeah. I had when I was listening to this. Cause I was just timing wise in terms of where they are in terms of like mm -hmm. you could fold it in half and they'd be, they'd, mm -hmm. um, they'd, they'd fit some of the parallels between the two. Mm -hmm. um, That's and interesting. Cause like the one till the end I wrote when I was 12, it's kind of my like early 2010s internalized misogyny song. <laughs> like thinking I was competing with this girl for this guy who like literally wanted nothing to do with me. <laughs> and then let her go is actually about me. I am the her in question, not me as I am now, but that song is about mourning the person I would have become had I stayed on the path that I thought I was going to stay on. As in, I dropped out of college, and that is my dropping out of college song. That is an interesting connection. I never thought about it like that before. And I have I have something to add to that, too, yeah. that I mm. just now realized. With the exception of the bridge on Let Her Go, Let Her Go and One Till the End oh, have yeah. the 
identical chord structure, identical chord structure. Yeah. And oh. I think that really signals how the maturity has grown over time. Like just how you have utilized that same chord structure to tell mm -hmm. a totally different narrative. I do love you recycling know. chord chord progressions. Well, yeah, but sure. then and that's that's a great thing to do because uh -huh. some of them are effective for a reason. Like they're classic and they're familiar, but that's that's kind of why I think we decided to venture into changing that bridge up mm -hmm. on Let Her Go because it it shows you venturing into new territory and that's what the entire song is about. Mm -hmm. Is like a scary and jarring and subversive but overall beneficial and beautiful journey mm -hmm. <laughs> into something that you weren't really expecting and that's why i love that bridge that we ended up going with on that song you're not expecting to hear it as a listener and i think the words go perfectly with that moment mm -hmm. of of acceptance in that song like you're still mourning but it feels like the moment in that song that you finally come around and are like okay mm -hmm. it's happening we're dropping I'm out i'm still very uh. scared <laughs> uh -huh. but we are going and we are going to see what happens uh-huh the title of the album makes me think of it as only in the sense of between you and another person mm -hmm. or you and, and a group of people. Mm -hmm. But I never thought about it be like you and yourself mm -hmm. having your own breakup there. Yeah, I guess it was just a like a change in expectations, which I often struggle with. My whole life was very much like, I'm going to go to school, high school, and I'm going to go to college and maybe I'll get a master's degree and then I'm going to have a job and I'm going to get married and have kids and a pets and become a grandparent and die in Disney World. And so, <laughs> <laughs> and so then when I finished my first year at U of I and then the pandemic hit in my second semester, I was hit with the idea, maybe this isn't what I want to be doing. Maybe this isn't the path I want to be taking. Mm -hmm. And I think it's especially cool that Cami put their own arrangement things on this song because Cami was such a big supporter when I was making the decision that I didn't want to go back because Cami was like, I'm not even trying college. I'm just balling out. I'm just doing gonna do music and go for it. And so many times I was like, Wow, that's really cool. I wish I could do that too. <laughs> and Cami I was in a park. We were having dinner in a park and I said that and they were like have you ever considered that you actually can do that too? And I was like, no, no, not me. <laughs> I can't do that. Um, uh, but it turns out I can and I did. And that's what I've been doing. <laughs> mind you, mind you. <laughs> you make it sound like I said you said that to me for the first time in no, that no, part. No, no, no. It was multiple I, times. I mm. had been listening to you <laughs> tell me something in so many different indirect round. You've been telling me the same thing in many different roundabout ways of what your real your true desires were of where you would <laughs> like your life to go forward and over a couple months and i kind of had this idea of like i feel like it's my responsibility as a friend to bring all these things you've said to your own attention because i think that the only person who doesn't clearly see what you truly want might be you in this moment so that was just when i decided to be like hey, I just want you to know you have been telling me the same thing for months and I just wanted to put it right in, in front of your attention. You don't have to say anything. I just wanted you to know. And it was very helpful. Awesome. And here we are. We, there, was, there was tears, but it's okay. So that's many of that's them. what happens sometimes when yeah. you're processing things. But also, like, I don't think I'd be doing this right now if I hadn't dropped out. Like, I don't, I don't think I would have been able to throw myself into recording an album 
had I been a full-time student as well. And so people do it all the time. And I'm like, that's incredible. But I am very much a person who I like, if I'm in school, like I'm in school, like I'm really like focused on that. And so I'm glad I made the decision to be in my music career and really focused on that instead. Yeah. And that's the story of the song, Let Her Go, <laughs> the extended version. Cami, I asked Emily, but I didn't get a chance to ask you, what, what's your favorite song on this album? I, I love them all for many different reasons, and I am proud of the effort and the feelings we put into every single one, but I think my heart's just always going to go to Bullet. I love that <laughs> song so much. I just really do. And I think that that is from my point of view as the guitarist on that song, because playing guitar to that song is just so fun. It's pretty mm. challenging. There's a lot going on with it, and... With every single arrangement on this album, I pretty much tried to write something that I couldn't play yet because I wanted to get better and I wanted to keep things interesting. Bullet was a bit challenging because it's like when I was writing it, I couldn't really play it all together yet. And now that I've got it down, it is just so fun. It is so fun to play live. I'm just arpeggiating. There's so much fun picking going on. I get to take my awesome solo there, which is just so fun. Like usually whenever I play that solo, people are like, oh, <laughs> and the whole I just I love the sort of what I was referring to earlier, the sort of back and forth of that song of one part of the verse, the sort of part A of the verse will be like, oh, I'm so amazing. I don't need any of this in my life. I'm way too hot for that. I'm so good and I'm so <laughs> over this. But then it'll just have this complete whiplash and change in tone for the sort of B part of the verse that is so introspective and it's like, you didn't even care about me. <laughs> wasted all my time and i just i love conveying that and i love all the melodic lines emily wrote for that song i just love that song a whole lot it's just so fun that that my heart goes out to bullet it's mm -hmm. it's just so fun and i love it and that's usually the first song that we play like that's usually our, usually mm. our opener for our set it's fun i don't know i feel like people look at us because we're like girls um and I, I think they girls they expect a certain sound or they expect us to just be like dee, dee, dee. we're just here to be here but then we pull out bullet first thing mm -hmm. and then cammy shreds their faces off with the solo <laughs> and it's just like hi we're here and we didn't come to mess around and people are like oh whoa you really aren't here to mess around and they're just sitting there with their shredded faces in their hands. I know. Like, what happened? <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Should we call up Abby and ask her what her favorite song is? Yeah. Can I just put it on speaker up to here? Yeah. All right. Oh, another fun aspect. Well, you call her about Bullet, too, mm -hmm. is just that. And on the album, we have it. We just always start it. Abby just clicks us in. Oh, like, yeah. iconic drumstick right. click and mm -hmm. i i think that that's just really fun and then the first chord comes in like a giant wave like i find the entire song yeah. very i found it when i was arranging it very beach inspired it's got a lot of waves to it and mm. a lot of flowing to it and i i like that we sort of walk into a place and where we usually don't even say anything we just allow our presence to be announced by this whoosh. Mm -hmm. it's super fun i like yeah. when once folks are sort of like what is that yeah. And they just look sort of intrigued and ready to sort of connect with us in that way. And it, it excites me. Hell yeah. All right. I'm All hitting right. call. So uh, we're, we're, we're <laughs> Phone phoning it in. We're yeah, phoning a friend. So um, bring it so that like the, yeah. Sorry. Hello. Abigail. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Can you hear me, Queen? Yeah. Hi. 
What is your favorite song on the album? You gotta tell her we're recording. <laughs> we're recording. We're, we're recording. We're on the podcast uh, for legal Hello, reasons. <laughs> okay, that is a tough question. It is ultimately between Bullet and Boyfriend. Mm. Why? Uh, probably Boyfriend. Why? Mm-hmm. Honestly, because I love Cammy's guitar part in Boyfriend, and I love listening to it. So true. Oh my god! Nice. <laughs> so nice do we have any other questions for abby while we have her <laughs> with us cammy do you have any questions feel free to ask a question <laughs> ask a, ask a question <laughs> yeah ask a question for abby what was your arrangement process like when the three of us were working over the winter to arrange my arrangement process it was nothing like too complicated really i mean i would just really listen to like cammy's part and whatever they were doing i would just kind of build off of like a lot of my beats you notice have a very similar rhythm to whatever Cammy's doing, and then I will just kind of go off that. And really, I would just kind of start and lay down like a pretty simple beat that I could just kind of make up on the spot. And then as we'd play through it over and over and over, I'd be like, oh, let me just add something a little bit right here. And then another thought would be like, oh, I'm going to add something a little bit right here. And I just kind of build off it and build off it until I get what I want. And I'm like, all right, that's all I need. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Well, I think... I think we should, we'll probably go back to <laughs> podcasting, but thank you for making an appearance. Well, thank you. Have fun. All right. Bye. Love you. Bye. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Actually, it's funny. Uh, it's funny that Abby mentioned boyfriend because I, I had this weird... No, th- there's a part in the arrangement that I... I and, and I wrote this in the weird, quick way that I did... So at the end, it feels like there's two two guitars going. Mm-hmm. There's 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 the electric guitar line that is playing, and then there's the acoustic clean guitar sound. It makes me think of two two people arguing, <laughs> and then the only thing that that makes me laugh is that it sounds like the acoustic guitar is making changes in what it's saying. But the the electric guitar just keeps saying the same thing, you know, because it just interjects with the same thing, like like as if the person that does the uh, does that argument that it's just okay, you're not changing your argument, you're mm-hmm. saying the same thing over and over, hoping that by saying it, it will change things. So I, at the end, that that was something that popped into my head when I was listening to that. I was like, um, <laughs> I can I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I don't know. That was more of a comment than a question, I, I guess. It. But I love it. I guess Emily. If you wanted people to walk away after listening, like what what do you think people you want people to take away from listening to this album? Mm. Oh, I think I want people to remember the first time they had feelings of the themes in this album and how intense those feelings were. And that even though they were so intense and probably like felt in adolescence, that they were still very real and important. Because so much of this album is about the first time I felt things and how earth shattering (laughs) they felt at times. But it's nice to have the perspective now that like, it's okay. I'm okay. (laughs) Yeah, even though... Everybody goes through whatever in, like, their romantic love life and also about, like, I don't know, just, like, love and loss in your life. And now I have the perspective that it's going to be okay. So I want people to know it's going to be okay. 
Cammy. No, I'm just... <laughs> Sounds like they're in trouble. <laughs> no, I know. I, I, <laughs> I, I wanted to say it in a silly way because, you know, it's always like, kind of like when you know what's coming. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> I wanted to make it even more fo- foreboding. Um, Cammy, what would you like people to, after listening to the album, like, yeah. what, what do you want them to have as like their takeaway? Yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to take this from, from actually two slightly different perspectives because on one hand i very much agree with emily on the emotional side like i i think one of the values of the album is that folks who are going through anything even remotely similar to some of the the themes on the album might find if they're going through that they might find some solace and some comfort in knowing that it can be an experience that a lot of people have gone through and come out the other side okay and still with lots of friends and people in their life that love and care about them and have learned from it. And I think that's a really valuable thing to feel comforted by a song and to know that someone understands what you're going through. But on the other hand, too, I think a big thing that I want folks to take away from this is I just really hope that when, you know, people maybe pick up a physical CD of this album and they see us three on it and they see the different credits on the album of all that we work all the work that we did for it and if they maybe see us playing live and they've never seen us before and they buy a cd and they take it home and they're looking at the fact that we just made this Mm -hmm. i want people to take away that if they want to make a piece of art an album an ep one song a, a booklet an illustration a graphic design they can do it mm-hmm. all you have to do is just start and keep going and try to find folks that are willing to work with you and support you and i i really want to like sort of hammer home the point that like we made this together mm-hmm. we just went ahead and did it i just really hope that it inspires people fems um a lot of times like I really like to put myself out there because I didn't see a ton of folks doing what I do that looked like me. I didn't see a lot of black femmes or femmes of color doing the kind of roles that I did. And now I know that was very much untrue. I see literally so many, but when I was, you know, being brought up and learning my role, I didn't know that was possible. So I hope that anybody who relates to these identities that we have or who doesn't, but, you know, many of these people that relate to our identities see this and they know that they can literally also do anything like this if they want to. They can and mm-hmm. all they have to do is just get started and find a little support system. Yeah. It's been awesome. Like, we've been able to share some, like, early copies of the CD with some of our, like, we have, like, a f- I feel like a fan club of, like, <laughs> 10 and under girls. Oh, yeah, they're so yeah. wonderful. And they're just the best. And so we've been able to give some of them, like, early copies of the album and just seeing them, like, so excited and like they they know the words already like because they come to shows and like it's just been really awesome to see ourselves in those like young femmes and them seeing themselves in us we have such a a wonderful too local and wider like queer fan base Mm -hmm. as well and we have fans that are artists and that's just so incredible we had a wonderful artist do some different fan art of us they drew the Mm -hmm. three of us as puppies oh my god it was so beautiful (laughs) i have it as my phone background still because it's stunning i didn't know that Uh, i asked them permission (laughs) i was like is it okay and they were like yeah of course and and you know there are you know these these people we've got queer sort of queer queer nerds Mm -hmm. who i think feel very heard by the music and they feel represented by 
I mean, we're all queer nerds. I know I am. Mm-hmm. I'm certainly a the oh, nerd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we all are, but <laughs> me very much nerd. so. I'm very much the nerd. So I think that those people too, like, it's beautiful to see this art bouncing around and sort of reaffirming other art and inspiring other art or just, you know, we are making queer music. And I think that, you know, queer people really relate to that and find a, a, a home in that and sort of enjoy that we're going into topics that may not have been as discussed in sometimes in other media and they just it feels great to go to shows and they're like i know how you feel i know what you mean and i'm like well i know what you mean as well and it's mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing i think i i feel like i can't follow up with that at all but i do <laughs> but but the the thing actually that that is popping through my head as as i'm hearing that and and also just the the beginning of the pandemic was only like two years ago and i just find that amazing that and and i'm not saying that that you didn't take a hard road to get there Mm -hmm. but i'm just seeing emily the band form into what it is now and what people can take away from it in just two years just seems like in 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 your lifetime what's what's going to be the overall big rumbling boulder effect of it all mm-hmm. is just I, I don't know it's it's mm-hmm. it's gonna be amazing and i'm really excited about that mm-hmm. um so i mean thank you so much for being on the show emily and cameron i really appreciate you coming out here it's just been exciting to talk about your new album the heartbreak album and uh thank you so much yeah thanks for having us i could talk all day about this so I'm glad I'm glad we got even just a little bit of time to chat about it. It was so fun. Thank you for listening to Champagne is also a band podcast. This is Emily and Cameron from Emily the Band reminding you. Great music is out there. Go find it where you live. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. To <laughs> studio. Well, I I would just wanted to make sure that because I know don't you aren't, aren't you doing some karaoke thingy or thing, Bob? <laughs> yeah, but it's cool to be fashionably late. Okay, we're gay people. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, careful! I may use that as the stinger. You, should. you really should. Um,